0: And we're now joined by Commissioner Greg Sankey, who I think enjoyed hearing some of the comments from Nick Saban. The the Regions Bank ad that he's in where he says, yeah, I probably am right. That's like the best delivered line in a TV ad. It sounded an awful lot like that Regions Bank ad. Well, Regions Bank was a sponsor of a great event last night. Yeah. We certainly enjoyed going to the uh, uh, Saturdays in the South to see the legends, Archie Manning, Herschel Walker, uh, and uh, Steve Spurrier. Uh, did, I'm sure you enjoyed that, didn't you? Absolutely. And,
1: that's two plus years of work we had a meeting in our conference room in june of 2017 where i had said why don't we do something about you know a little bit of the history of the sec just formation and espn took it around the 150th anniversary and espn films and blew it up into 12 hours of programming tuesday september 3rd 9 p.m eastern and then eight consecutive tuesdays and jimmy it starts in the late 1800s and it's just fascinating and you have the story of the university of the south uh swanee and that five wins in six days train trip the grease train tracks at auburn when georgia tech came in general nealon uh a, a lot there uh i saw one of the episodes in the really happy time in knoxville in the late 90s as you can imagine and the quarterback's dad that uh, everyone's fond of is a big part of of the story in the in the 60s and it was just great to hear you know herschel steve and archie telling stories and you you forget all of the kind of stories that weave together you've lived a lot of it where you know i i, I think it's okay and i'll i won't take all your time but but um, archie tells a story of going to the what the 81 sugar bowl practice on the weekend before the games played with georgia and notre dame and cooper and peyton are with him and, and and olivia's pregnant with eli and they asked the boys after the practice well what do you want to name your brother your little brother and cooper said herschel walker manning I mean, what a great story
2: you gotta love that one and i love that herschel said
1: one of your grandkids should have been yeah named herschel exactly. walker Manning." and then it's like you I know, put it back on cooper steve talks about being recruited at old miss before archie had played there and then archie talks about peyton being recruited at florida and just um, just marvelous to hear those stories and their appreciation for college football.
0: You've had uh, close to 18 hours. Have you hired Herschel Walker yet?
1: No, he was. Uh, my associate commissioner was getting on a plane <laughs> at like 5.15 this morning and saw Herschel there. So I've had plenty of ideas floated at me. You've to appreciate his confidence. I, 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 he could be director of quotes because you, I wish we could just tweet it out every quote. I mean, that's a yeah. guy that gets football and – it shows you the difference generationally. He says, hey, I, I wanted to sacrifice to be ready so that when my turn came, there, there I was and talked about being injured in the sugar bowl. Just just awesome person.
0: Yeah, it really special last night. I uh, want to ask you about a couple of issues. Name, likeness, image. Uh, Commissioner, do you see a time when college athletes will get some type of compensation in that regard or, or paying them? Because a lot of people are supporting paying athletes because of all the money that's generated in college sports?
1: I don't at the moment. There's an NCAA working group looking at the issue, which really is an outcome of state legislation that's being debated and discussed. California's been noteworthy, but there have been a couple other states with legislative initiatives. There's also um, some members of Congress that have talked about introducing legislation that would, by law, uh, create perhaps more freedom. We also have litigation uh, we'll be contributing to this working group. We have two members, uh, faculty representative from the University of Tennessee. Don Bruce is one of those members. And uh, we'll be contributing but also looking to hear their output in October. And really there's a, a range on the continuum. It'll be interesting to see what principles they identify. So for me, that's the next step. And I've been public, in fact, have testified in court that I think compensation is tied to your your educational and competitive pursuits and it's a decision you make and if you don't want to play you know that's a decision you can make as well we've seen that in some sports i'd also just observe if you look at the sport of nascar and some of these name, image, and likeness issues there are young people who sign away their rights early on that doesn't happen in college football whatever people want to say about giving up birth rights or not no there are certain rules that apply but we don't keep their their names and likeness for commercial purposes in fact they can opt out of any of our promotional materials through waivers. waiver so uh, i just want at the end of answering the question i'll clear up that uh, we do a great job supporting student athletes there's no better time and there are intricacies that make this a little bit of a complex conversation
2: and just to follow up a quick second on that uh, there is the measure in california that has moved past the, the first step in trying to become a law which would essentially go down that road Uh, but to me it just seems almost nonsensical for the fact that it's an ncaa standard all the schools in california are voluntary members of the ncaa so therefore even if the bill is passed in california does sense not say they would still have to abide by the ncaa rules they couldn't circumvent it just because it's a law
1: in their state well it certainly appear that way uh that's for the lawyers to decide and you obviously have the court of public opinion as well and i think the ncaa president mark emmer provided a letter to some of their legislative leaders describing the NCA's position identifying this working group suggesting that uh, some patients on their part may be helpful and you know the the, the observations were not really receptive but then there are other realities that uh, depending on the way this decision goes will be interesting to see how the NCA an organization handles those issues now the effective date as I understand for the legislation, is 2023, so it's off ways. But there are recruiting issues that are involved, and early recruiting cycle in, in any sport makes it uh, a little bit more uh, timely even for uh, consideration and action if there's a different outcome in California.
2: Now, two years ago, there were six coaches, I believe, that were being welcomed or representing either new or uh, different schools in the SEC media days. All 14 coaches are back. Is that...
1: I would imagine that's got to be pretty pleasing to a commissioner. The stat I had was the first time since 2006. Yes. And I think what that says is we collectively made progress uh, last year. And they're still building building to do. You know, Obviously, Jeremy and his work at the University of Tennessee. Saw Chad Morris this morning and, and you know, a, a complete change in philosophy in front of them. But I I do think stability is an indicator of health in in many ways. And, again, it's it's a representation that there's some progress happening across the league. And I mean across the league.
0: Our guest, Commissioner Greg Sankey. Uh, Commissioner, I was reading an article about Missouri recently, and it talked about how Missouri self-reported some academic issues, and then they got hit with some sanctions from the NCAA. And the article said, would that deter you from wanting to self-report? How do you view that situation with Missouri?
1: I'll take the issue and say we don't have an option. Mm-hmm. Had they not self-reported and those same issues come to light, as hard as their current circumstances, and they have an opportunity and have announced they are pursuing an appeal, that would have been even more difficult. And, and we agree, voluntary association, that part of the expectation is to monitor and, and report infractions. And most of those are level three, as they're called, the old secondary violations. Uh, But the Committee on Infractions um, hearing panel made some decisions. And then one of the concerns I have is kind of the sentencing guidelines or penalty matrix that is emanated from this. We have to be aggressive in penalties. but We also have to be attentive to reality in, in, in penalizing institutions as well. And Well, no one likes accountability, you know, I think Missouri is prepared to represent themselves well in an appeal. But the the word of caution is function so well to avoid those problems to everyone else. And uh, we have a set of issues, you know, nationally in men's basketball where we'll see some of those outcomes soon, it appears.
0: Transfer portal introduced in October of last year. Uh, Last time I looked, there were over 500 that went in football and over 150 had not found a home yet. What are your thoughts on the transfer portal? Has it worked the way you think it should? Are there some unintended consequences involved with that? Your thoughts on the transfer you, portal?
1: You led with what I believe to be a very very important point of information, and that is are we about to see a number of young men who thought, oh, there's a better opportunity, not have scholarships. Mm-hmm. That's one outcome. The other outcome that's more subtle is you may have football teams because of transfers and normal attrition and pro departures who are now below the 85 number. So we're going to leave scholarships that are funded vacant. I don't think that's healthy for anyone. Mm-hmm. The next part is what are the educational outcomes from these transfers and how frequently do they occur? So you saw one where signed with USC, went to Texas, now back. You know, that's mm-hmm. not advancing you down the educational pathway. I understand it's, it's competitive athletics. So, Jimmy, the, the, the answer is we're in this point of discomfort, and I think we're going to occupy that for a while. I think we were right, in my opinion, to remove kind of restrictions. What you don't read about is so-and-so blocking a transfer. I think removing restrictions on communication, destination, and financial aid should you transfer were healthy. Now we've facilitated this portal, and it seems easy. And the other factor is this waiver stuff. So coaches have told me, you know, I want you to know I've got young people who say I want to transfer, and they come in, and we just have our compliance folks explain, here's the rules, here's the structure, and the answer will be, well, I'm going to get a waiver. And I think the the national messaging around these waivers has not provided clarity. So we have people making decisions not with complete information. I think that's a problem. So why? I think there's some elements that are, are appropriate. My view, my encouragement would be standard year of residence, every sport. That slows down some of the impatience still gives an opportunity, and wherever we have to adjust, we can adjust. Perhaps there should be some exceptions, one-time exception that's standard, if you've met certain academic and and conduct expectations. My belief is we're going to have to go to the next chapter of this story after we learn a little bit about all these transfers and the realities before those types of policies are, are pursued.
2: Is it difficult at all at times to balance a great partnership with television, which does so many things and makes so many programs across the board for the SEC, able to travel on charter flights like baseball, softball, things like that, versus the fan experience? And the point that I'm getting to is, for instance, Tennessee basketball, Eastern time zone team, tipped off on its senior night at 9 o'clock on a weeknight, uh, as opposed to a central time zone matchup, which went at 7 o'clock, Um, Eastern time, 6 o'clock local time, and I'm just wondering how much is there input from the conference to say this is a senior night for Tennessee, it should be a 7 o'clock start as opposed to um, the crowd being limited based on what the rest of the week holds.
1: The first phrase of the question is, is it difficult to balance? And the answer there is yes, and I was going to move on. So (laughs) yes, it is a balancing act, one. Two, we have allocated authority for television partners to set times within certain parameters what you describe is not a limitation within those agreements those agreements date back to 2008 or 2012 but we do manage those mm-hmm. and i think you could go back the year before in tennessee basketball on the men's side and see even more 9 p.m local tips than, than the example you provided so we're attentive but we don't control it's like the tuesday wednesday saturday issue arose so i'll ask the question mm-hmm. before somebody asks we've we used to play Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then right. Saturday. So we were very attentive to Thursday, Saturdays. But with two full days between the, the games, I mean two full days with a Thursday and Friday, we'd actually been open internally to say we don't monitor that and so don't have limitations. But it seems we went a bit, bit extreme because of the attractiveness of some of our programs or, and not you know, where we were last year. So the great news about having great basketball is you got a lot of highly ranked programs. The other great news is people want to see it. The bad news is that creates some of these tip time situations or some of these uh, consistent Tuesday or Wednesday appearances that are really about how television is trying to populate, not about how the conference office schedules, and that creates the tension and the balance.
2: From your perspective, what was it like to to see a drought in for Tennessee and uh, in 14 years outside the NCAA baseball tournament this year?
1: Great, and and just the progress and – kind of that moment, what, we had about three or four weeks left and hadn't had the in-conference success and so needed some wins. I think that may have been the Florida series where yes. you saw the, 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 the script flip a little bit and the confidence grow. Uh, so a good step forward, and, and I know that's not the destination, right? But uh, it's been a while, and, and so it's fun to see that reward. I thought you were going to say, like, Grant Williams and Admiral. and you know, I just saw a friend of mine in Charlotte, uh, Grant was back at his high school doing a basketball clinic with a Celtic shirt on and just um you know, I was at uh what was it the Wake Forest game, went in the locker room, and Rick let me talk to the team and Grant hugged me. He was all sweaty <laughs> So the whole drive home. I drove the whole drive home and got Grant Williams sweat, which I should have saved that that vest I was wearing now put it on eBay.
2: That was pretty cool though. Grant in the first round, Jordan Bone and Admiral in the second yep. round and Kyle Alexander gets a deal with the Summer League and now has been signed to a contract with the uh, with the Miami Heat.
0: So all
1: four yeah. that had a chance. I knew right Jordan. There. I didn't know Kyle. So great for Kyle, mm-hmm. yeah. And, uh, and tribute to Rick. Yes,
0: Yeah. absolutely. Uh, wanted to ask about this. I know that the SEC and you would like to see another full-time assistant in baseball. Mm-hmm. And so I was running that by a compliance uh, person at, at Tennessee, and they said, well, There's a debate, do you want a full-time assistant in baseball or do you want to expand the number of scholarships in baseball from 11-7 back to 13? Which has the better chance of happening? I try not to
1: live in an either-or world. Honestly, I don't view those as exclusive. The coaches are needed. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: No one has said we don't need four full-time coaches in baseball and in softball, by the way, and the nature of those games. Offense, defense, pitching, hitting infield, outfield, catchers, relief pitchers, recruiting, dealing with your players. No one who voted against our proposal said we don't need four coaches, so now it's the structure, and it's time to move away from that structure. I think in both sports. That doesn't say we don't need scholarships. So in the SEC, we've said... From our athletics directors, let's take a look at this equivalency model. It applies to baseball, softball, track and field, and I'm public about it, trying to raise attention to the issue, because it seems a little outdated. And and so the answer is, I don't view those as mutually exclusive, and the notion that we would trade scholarships or coaching positions or, or vice versa, I'm not ready to concede that ground right now.
0: Very good, Commissioner. We appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time. Absolutely. And again, we really enjoyed last night and. Uh, Hopefully you'll be bringing legends again next year. We've talked about that. it, you know
1: the, the, those three guys there's a little bit of heft there, and we've got some other personalities that that could fill that role. you know I've that son of one of those guys the, who's who's that was there last night <laughs> that comes to mind, or perhaps a couple of them. And, um, and
2: more insights on vaudeville.
1: Yeah, yeah, there you go. When, you know, I announced, you know, I'd appeared at the Grand Old Opry yes, earlier that's this right. year, which is like, i was standing up at the podium, I'm like, wait, I've just done this before, too. My failure at the Grand Old Opry in Nashville during our basketball term was I forgot to throw it back to, like, Bill, so then they could go to the, uh, I don't know who was next coming up, but. Uh, it very was, it nice. was, both were fun nights, and thank you for being there because that'll be a special documentary series. I
2: very great. much enjoyed it. Commissioner Sankey, thank, thank you, you, you so much thank for joining <laughs> us. And that's great.